Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Well, I ended up getting called out of town unexpectedly for the next couple of weeks, so I'm sorry to say we'll be taking a little breather from our dark travels. But just for a bit. I promise we'll visit more sinister attractions once I'm back and settled in. Of course, that doesn't mean you can't spin a few yarns. Submissions are still open, and by now I'm sure you know the drill. TalesToTerrify.com slash submissions. Visit, read, submit. But while we're waiting patiently for your horrific masterpiece to hit our inbox, why don't we spin up a few tales of our own? Our first story for the evening comes from Alex Ebenstein. Alex Ebenstein is a maker of maps by day, writer of horror fiction by night. He lives with his family in Michigan. Find him on Twitter at Alex Ebenstein. Children of the Night, join me for Alex Ebenstein's My Brother's Keeper, a Tales to Terrify original.
I visited my parents today. I make a point to this time of year. The anniversary of my brother's disappearance. They pretend it doesn't still weigh on them, but I know better. The harder they try showing they've moved on, the more clearly I can see their pain. It's pathetic. I mean, my God, it's been ten years already. I like to bring them a gift, though. Something nice. A reminder that I'm still here and care. I make all my gifts. And this year I made them a clock. My finest work yet. I thought it would finally show them what they were failing to see. But, of course, this year provided the same exchange with my parents as every other year. They said, That's nice, dear. And, Thanks, sweetie, you're too kind. But I know they don't mean it. More to the point, I know they don't care about the gift or me. They never have. Big bro, the proverbial golden child, eternally happy and charming, too perfect for his own good. He could do no wrong. Seriously, I think it was impossible for him to screw up. He was the perfect son and more. Which is why I was never meant to be. When your firstborn is so perfect, why risk another? My parents didn't intend to. But one night of too much drinking and a little carelessness can change that in a hurry, and you get me as the prize. Sometimes I wonder if my parents weren't celebrating how wonderful my brother was when they accidentally conceived me. Now you understand why, when I give them a gift, it only receives a cursory glance. I get a fake smile. Then they set the item aside. Who knows where the gifts end up? I never see them again. Ten years of gifts. Gone. Are they buried in random boxes in storage? Or did my parents throw them out? Nothing I could give them would bring their precious son back, after all. Oh, if only they knew. Once my brother was gone, I really thought it'd be a wake-up call to my parents. That they would pull me in closer. Cherish the time with their remaining child. It didn't take long to realize how badly I miscalculated. All I wanted was for them to like me a little bit more. But I failed miserably. If anything, I made things worse. On the bright side, once I knew the situation was hopeless, that my parents would never love me the way they loved my brother, the gift-giving became a game. How far could I go before they figured it out? So far, they haven't. If they were paying attention, they may have noticed by now that I've been trying to show them something. I've been trying to give my brother back to them. If they looked closely at all, they would have seen all the gifts had a little piece of big bro. The clock included, truly my finest work, with hands made of intricately carved bones, a face made of stretched skin, tanned into a nice leather, and its numbers painted on with blood. That was Alex Ebenstein's My Brother's Keeper, as read by Dan Gerzinski. Dan is a broadcast and audio engineer by trade and has worked on many projects for local public stations. Lately, he's been recording literary works for LibriVox, as well as Tales to Terrify, and has just finished narrating his eighth audiobook. Thank you, Dan.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Our second story comes from M. Regan. M. Regan has been writing for over a decade, with credits ranging from localization work to scholarly reviews, advice columns to short stories. Deeply fascinated by the fears and maladies that monsters personify, she enjoys composing dark fiction, studying supernatural creatures, and traveling to places with rich histories of folklore. Listen with me, children of the night, to M. Regan's Revelation 217, first published in Mrs. Rochester's Attic, 2017. Little Alice fell down the hole, bumped her head, and bruised her soul. Zero. Looking back, my pet, she murmurs at the meal's end, the most inhuman thing about you has been your extraordinary reserve of patience. The comment is offered in lieu of gratitude complimenting the glance she casts at the figure beside her. An elegant smear of a man, that figure attends with a servant's obsequiousness. Earlier that day, it has acted as chef and pasteur. Before that, it served as housekeeper and guard. Later, it will play judge and executioner. The creature donned its various roles with the ease it did its human suit, each reimagined self built upon the foundations of the former. Only small details remain in the aftermath. A smile lined with teeth. The faint smell of pedicure. A looseness about its fingertips, dimpled flesh dangling from not bone. She remembers those fingertips first skirting the edge of a pentacle, 
how their pads had grown pruned with the blood of those who dragged her there. Its hands still bear those wrinkles now. They are reminders. The girl reminds it. We have nearly reached the end of our partnership, and I, the end of my life. Indeed, mistress. Then am I correct in assuming, she continues, that there are no more secrets between us? That which lurks in the dark of her soul, that which stands in the pool of her shadow, assumes a side smooth simper. A sanguinous ray of sunlight follows the sharp of that smirk, illuminating an edge that may yet cleave away the creature's ears. She has seen those ears disappear before. She has seen all of it disappear before, fading in and out of reality like the Cheshire. Here and gone, there and back. So many impossible things had been believed before breakfast, now that dinner is all but finished. There's nothing that seems infeasible. There are no miracles, only the inevitable. There have never been any secrets between us, mistress, the grinning thing coos. She might roll her eyes heavenward if that did not feel like blasphemy. So you say, Pat, but you are very good at lying. I do not lie, mistress. Those of my ilk only ever tell the truth. What you tell is your interpretation of the truth, she contends with a gesture of her dessert fork. Tines glitter when flicked. Were it proper to do so, the creature may have shrugged. As is the way of mortals, mistress, you charge that I blend in with those around me, did you not? Blend I did. In all ways sans patience, I fear. For this oversight I offer my most sincere apology. You needn't. Dismissively, the girl pokes placidly at the pomegranate skin which decorates her cake. The garnish peeled thinly enough from its membrane to have curled into a ringlet. It reminds her of a clock spring. Time rolls along. Though on the subject of such things, she adds, pushing at that coil, I have been wondering something for a while. Yes, mistress. How did you learn to act so very human? With a nudge, the crimson trimming tumbles over a precipice of chocolate, landing amidst the debris of piled seeds. They scatter. Her thoughts do in kind. Hades and Persephone, Eve and the serpent. There are stories in the colonel's wet gleam, warnings of doomed women and those who had sweetly fed them. Fruit lines her plate like headstones in a cemetery. She wonders which is to be her grave, while the one who fed her smiles. For many millennia, mistress, I have observed the populace of this realm, the creature explains, its reply wending like smoke from the depths of its lungs. When I first stepped onto this rock, even the Bible was but a distant dream. I have watched civilizations rise, fall, then return to the ashes and dust from whence its population first crawled. Of course, 
it did not take me nearly so long to realize that like attracts like. In order to obtain my desires, it was easiest to appeal to humans on their level. You learn to camouflage yourself, like a predator to chameleons, the girl chuckles. Reminded once more of the characters in Genesis, your kind gives the whole reptilian class a bad name. Perhaps, though in my humble opinion, mistress, the class Mammalia is no better off for its inclusion of Homo sapiens. Hmm, we are two-faced monsters in our own way. A sigh wafts through her pale forelocks. Her utensil slips between the seams of her lips. Metal and enamel collide with a click. The tiniest sound an acknowledgement of punctuation. An ellipsis follows. Then, what do you know of Jericho? If the suddenness of the Inquisition startles it, the creature does not allow that surprise to manifest. I was there to watch the walls crumble, mistress, it answers honestly. Honeyed nostalgia beads upon the ribbon of its voice, enriching the glow of harvest moon eyes. I was there to hear the army scream and see the fires rage and smell the viscera as it washed the war-torn streets anew. It was beautiful. The expulsion of a soul from its body is not unlike any other form of human release. It is base and obscene. Essence spills everywhere. There is writhing, panting, and begging unanswered. And there is such a pleasure to be reaped when it ends. You make it sound like quite the show, the girl notes, leaning back in the embrace of her chair. Despite having recently come of age, she still looks like a child to the one who serves her. Though, in fairness, all humans do. An orgy of grotesqueness, to be sure. And wouldn't the noblesse just eat that up? They do have the stomach for it, it agrees. I might even argue that there are those amongst the aristocracy more devilish than myself. But in the end, I would be the only one who relished the feast. Oh, perhaps not in the end. Absently, the girl scrapes together the juicy innards of the pomegranate. The grate of cutlery over fine porcelain is irritatingly shrill. Perhaps that is the reason the beast's sneer grows taunt, thinning to the point of brittleness. Perhaps not. Whatever do you mean, mistress? The girl hums, deftly skewering a single seed. I mean that vengeance can be served in a number of ways. You may like the tastes of today's variant, but some day your supper call will be made on a ram's horn, and you will find the dish before you far less enjoyable. Begging your forgiveness, but I still do not follow. Then you should reread last night's bedtime story. The mistress retorts, bored. With a snap of her wrist, she sends the ruby seeds soaring. A second kernel is flicked into the distance of the dining hall not a moment after, rejected for reasons known only to herself. If Jericho has taught us anything, dear, it is that nothing lasts forever, not even the walls that we build to protect ourselves. 
especially those. External defenses are weak enough. Internal ones are weaker still. And with all that you've endured, my pet, all of the angry, agonized souls that you've allowed to circle your insides, I imagine the only thing you're waiting for is a great shout. After that, your walls will topple and you will burn. Or shatter, maybe, like the precarious Humpty Dumpty. You will wake to yourself, and the wonderland you know will fall apart. There was a gravity in the pronouncement, the pull of it enough to see the beast tip forward, stumbling, pitching, laughing. Glee burbles thick and black through the gaps in unsheathed incisors. Amusement melts down the creature's chin in rivulets, the cracked abyss of its maw shimmering with stalactite strands of saliva as it giggles in rebuttal. With respect, mistress, I believe you have forgotten one very important fact. Another seed plummets through the air, vanishing beyond the far end of the table. The creature's irises seem a similar hue, faceted like garnets in the haze of an encroaching twilight. Unlike Jericho, unlike Adam, unlike those who are descended from him, we demons are not made of mud. The walls to which you allude to are built of sturdier bricks. In construction, they are not as narrow or fantastical as those in your fairy tales. There is no way in, I assure you. No cry loud enough to see me topple or raise my defenses. The declaration is dotted by an arrow bouncing off the creature's cheek. It stiffens, blinking. Its mistress is the one grinning now. No. For an instant her soul shines with intensity beyond the windows of her eyes, as bright as the sunset that streams through the stained glass. There is a warmth to its radiance, a near-physical heat. Like flames are said to leap, so does the creature's attention. The girl's own attention returns to her plate. You wear the mask of humanity so well, she softly appraises. It sounds like flattery. It is not. Thinking back, perhaps that is the only thing about you that ever truly frightened me. I began to wonder if there was any real difference between us. After all, did we both not fall from grace? Are we not both driven by the same urges? Have you not ever wondered if this mask will one day cease to come off? Or worse still, prove to never have been a mask? It is said that we are what we eat. As you prepare your dinner, do you not fear losing yourself to the rule? You think I might lose to a dinner rule. The devil's genuine confusion catches its mistress off guard, much as the would-be riddle has bemused it. Humor blusters through flared nostrils. Chortles are paired into breathy wisps of bared teeth. The last of the pomegranate kernels is pinched between her fingers, held in the fashion of blessed wafers. Then he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Her gullet undulates as she gulps down the seed. Her stained hand does not tremble when it is offered. In a final act of obedience, it takes the bread, gives thanks, and breaks it. It has no plans to remember. 1. To begin, there is the press of pliant lips. A head lolls, the energy needed to hold it aloft already drained away. Spittle oozes enticingly from the slit of her mouth, the berry flesh having burst to openness. Juices sluice, pleasantly pulpy. The contrasting colors of the corpse's shell and her insides seem to the creature a beautiful metaphor. Intoxicated by ecstasy, by anticipated satiation, it wonders if it might find hell itself lurking at the bottom of her rabbit-hole throat. It would not be shocked if so. Dealing with her certainly had been hellish at times. And would that not be convenient? To be led from one home to the next by the way of a single fall? If it but fell one more time. Its own throat contracts around the musing, a pseudo-Adam's apple set to bobbing. It gulps again, this time around an elixir of psyche and pneuma, twenty-one bitter grams of lachrymose filling its belly. Hunger remains. So does Soma. Two. A pertif, an amuse gourlet, entree, and le plat. Any meal worth savoring is a coarse affair, from those served to one's mistress to the Last Supper of the Savior. And if Christ himself saw reason to indulge gluttony, surely a demon must do the same. The girl's corpse had been splayed across the dining table, her slender fingers woven and her lacy lashes low. She is an extravagant piece de resistance, and oh, resist she had, a saucy thing. She had resisted everything good and decent in this world, and in the name of self-sought justice. How poetic. How foolish. How lucky for it, the creature decides. For that vim and vinegar had spiced the mistress's spirit most delectably, and having basted it in baseness, had turned her into quite a treat. That she had walked herself into the oven once just desserts were doled is the very icing on the cake. In fact, in that sense, she may well be considered the cake itself. Upon a plinth of ornately carved mahogany, the cadaver waits like one of Alice's treats, having ordered its own consumption. Eat me. If vaguely the demon takes note of this second storybook illusion, reminded again of poetry and foolishness. Odd. It had never wasted its own thoughts on such frivolry before. The girl had been the one that enjoyed that brand of inanity. Or at least, she had shown more interest in the words of Lewis Carroll than she had in the word of God, though they had perused both tomes with frequency. He took the bread and butterfly and broke it, it thinks in the echo of her voice, so that it may no longer flap its wings. This is my body, given for you, so I want you to eat me. I want you to drink me. 
Those who contract with devils always get what they want. And in exchange, the devil gets what it wants. It wants to eat. A gown is shucked in the style of corn husks, undergarments peeled with a delicacy of apple skins. Ribbons are unwound, heels removed, and rings replaced by puckered lips. The beast's ravenous head slides past nail, joint, knuckle. Soon the tips of fingers and toes have been nibbled to nothingness. It is with far less delicacy that fangs rupture the drum of her stomach, pop, and a fairy ring of scarlet toadstool appear. They do not bloom so much as well beneath the curvature of her ribs, cousin to those mushrooms that grow from the marrow of the dead. Mushrooms, butterflies, caterpillars. Who are you? I am that I am. When the devil next remembers to swallow, it cannot ignore the floral flavors soaring its tongue. Violets, tiger lilies, daisies, larkspurs. There is a rosiness redolent of memories. Unbidden visions pool behind the creature's eyes like blood in fingertips and belly buttons. Golden summer gardens, riddles shared in games of chess. It blinks. It growls, encouraging its belly to do the same. It does not. Yet, it feels empty. 3. Christ rose after three days. She decomposes instead. With the devil's assistance, the mistress's carcass crumbles from its bones. One, two, three. A day is dedicated to flailing away each pellucid layer of skin, epidermis, dermis, hypodermis, whirls, folds, and ridges. There's a twisted reverence in how it plucks hairs from her nape, from her arms and legs, and private places to savor like pieces of candy floss. Canine sheathed, less savage inclinations overwhelm it again. The creature suckles at tenderized flesh, trembling when the girl's confectionery coating disintegrates like sugar and snowflake. Eat me. Eat me, and you will not surely die, bud. The dining hall resounds with whispers of Eden snakes, though chameleons are what it thinks about when membrane gives way to muscles. Her colors change from white to red, as its acid discharges reveal, then fray, then obliterate twined ropes of ligaments. She falls apart around Snap's string. One, two, three, rip-rip-rip. Her mandibles detach itself, too heavy to be contained within a cocoon of cobwebbing. The curved bone wobbles, tumbles. It chatters against the knob of a ribcage before settling against the lump of a groin. The groan that echoes throughout the house's bowels shakes its very foundations. Without a jaw to contain it, the corpse's tongue sags to freedom, cleaving cleanly through vestiges of tissue. It unfurls in parody of welcome. It lolls within tattered esophageal film, the remains of that tube long and dark enough to fall through. 
rabbits, and expressions about them circle within his head, off with her head, off with her head, and in with its own, for it would be a shame to let that satin-soft temptation go to waste. Christ rose after three days, the devil likewise. 4. Time and the beast have eaten the flesh from the girl's apple cheeks. Her scalp is no more, and the gray, frail lids of her eyes have been pared. She is smooth, featureless, expressionless. This is natural. All of mortality is ephemeral, and every veneer wears away eventually. Mountains become boulders, become pebbles, become dust. This form will not last for long, either. If Jericho has taught us anything, dear, it's that nothing lasts forever. Another second passes. Second lives and second chances. Second thoughts. Beneath the earth of the girl's sinew, there is the frame that gives her shape. Tendons come apart like decayed gristle. Her body sloughs free of residual muscle, shedding what's little is left like a serpent. Again, there is the memory of a garden, stirred by the rattle of a pomegranate seed. She had not digested it in full. It does not feel full. An unknown sensation is gnawing at the creature's stomach, its innards tingling as if with septus. The ichor in its ancient veins has curdled, its sense of self has warped, twisting so that the instincts and desires no longer align as they ought, as they should. Thoughts butt futilely against one another, like puzzle pieces with shaved corners, like cornerstones that have fractured. In the distance, it imagines it can hear the sound of limestone toppling, porcelain, bone, china. The nerves threaded through the mistress's spine have become little more than spider strands. Her vertebra are chattering beads upon that chain. They fall to the floor when something within snaps. Something within has definitely snapped. It wonders if it's going mad. 5. There are 206 bones in the adult human body. 206 cogs, wheels, and glass-fragile sprockets that, when meshed together, create mankind's most basic piece of equipment. And while the skeleton upon the moldered table had only just matured, the meticulous devil is indeed able to count 206 on fingers, toes, and sundry shards. It checks the number twice, thrice, four times. It spreads its mistress out, grouping fragments into piles, humerus, radius, ulna, trapezium, sacrum, ribs, coxal, patella, tibia, tarsal, calcaneus, talus. The girl's petite staples remind the beast of the wishbones it had carved from turkey dinners, of how she would roll her eyes when they were given to her for play, citing childishness. She would decline the gift, but in the dead of night the creature would discover them halved upon her writing desk, their shafts ivory in the moonlight. To find them always made the beast chuckle. Smirking, 
it would consider the many terrible things that would have to break in order for her wishes to come true. Now that it has, it smirks no longer. 6. There is honesty in a body deconstructed, reduced to pieces and parts, stripped of pretext and pretense, the haughty mistress no longer has anything to hide behind. No airs, no lies, no skin or fat or muscles. There is nothing here but the bare-bone truth, for that is what she has become. That is all that's left. Truth and bare bones. When it wets its lips, the devil still tastes the nectar of her marrow, corrosively sweet. A serpentine tongue searches out what life yet lingers within the calcareous crack door of her framer, and if that pittance will somehow accomplish what the rest of its meal had not. Once a terrifying beast, the devil has become a lapdog, complete with a bone in its mouth. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Did we both not fall from grace? The demon knows of falling. It has done so before. Its scorched essence leaving streaks across the sky. It had toppled down and down and down, plummeting from heaven like a pomegranate seed. No, like Alice. No, like a star. Yes, like a star, and it made a wish upon itself that day. It had wished upon whatever remained of its heart, much as mortals would soon be making wishes upon it. An innocent prelude to innocence lost. Too lost to be guided home, however vibrant the constellations, however stable. It is not stability that the longing look for in the void. And so, it was that man and monster that fell together, end over end, beginning over beginning, bumping heads and bruising souls as they plunged from the moral high grounds to the pits waiting below. The passing of eons had seen that journey become familiar to the creature. No longer does recalling its first descent frighten the former angel. But the fall to its knees now does. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Somehow this fall is more terrifying than the first had ever been. Humpty Dumpty had a great. Because this is a different sort of falling. I'm afraid I can't explain myself, sir. This is a different sort of... Because I am not myself, you see. This is a different... But if I'm not the same, the next question is, this is, who in the world am I? 7. The devil cries out, something within itself cracking, shattering. The agony of its howl resonates like the blare of a horn, and the walls come tumbling down. Ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. The creature sits primly, ankles laced, and eyes dull with a skull in the center of its lap. Like the head of a sleeping child, it strokes the length of the mistress's temple, quiet 
as it yearns, as it prays. It is a temple after all, for now there is no better place to worship, though someday that bone will fester back into the mud from whence it came. It is an inevitability that the demon suddenly cannot bear. Distantly, there is the thought of entombing her grains within glass, of passing time with her in a new and more literal fashion. But there is only one ossuary in which it wants to see her rot, if rot she must, and it is not made of traditional walls. How stupid it would be to try and protect her thus, when walls never stand forever. How long is forever? asked Alice. Well, sometimes, just one second, replied the white rabbit. Sometimes, it is just that. Sometimes, it is far longer. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It is a poor sort of memory that only works backwards, but with deftness, the creature does as its poor memory instructs. It plucks crumbs of its mistress from the stagnant air, much as the doom might pick a pomegranate from a tree. Moats dance, swirled around what in phantasmagorical radiance still pours through smoggy stained glass. Terrified of feeling emptier than it already does, the demon stuffs her smallest specks into its mouth, choking them down before they can float back up to heaven. Or... God forbid, before they can amalgamate into clay. Once upon a time the mistress had gifted her servant a name. Once upon a time, before that, a man who shared that name placed a curse upon devoted earth. Should anyone be imprudent enough to try and rebuild Jericho, they would pay a dear price. That was the Lord's will. That was his wish. And when the Lord makes a wish, he spares nothing to see it come true. No one is spared, not even the stars. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Fragmented words of God and Lewis Carroll come apart around its ears. It dares not try to put any of them, or anything else, back together. Alone, in a crumbling manner, Joshua sits and thinks of broken things. 19 December, 1863 I mark this day with a white stone. Rev. Charles Dodgson That was M. Regan's Revelation 2.17, as read by our own Seth Williams. Seth Williams is a narrator who has read for Far-Fetched Fables, Starship Sofa, and Tales to Terrify, where he currently volunteers as editor. When not day-jobbing, he enjoys listening to fiction podcasts and audio drama. He shares life with an amazing partner, dog, and a cat. Thank you, Seth.
Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters through Patreon and PayPal. If you're not already a supporter, head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify for a look at all the awesome perks, from ad-free episodes and bonus content to shout-outs and swag. Every dollar helps, and we appreciate it so much. If you're looking for another way to help, why not drop a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ratings and reviews are an easy way to show your appreciation and help us spread the darkness. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Pete Morsellino, Meredith Morgenstern, Julia Zellman, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we feed your insatiable appetite for more Tales to Terrify. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.